fellow citizens to On Civics, On Democracy. I'm Daryl Lando, founder of Conserve Democracy. For those who wish, there are PowerPoint slides that accompany these podcasts on the Conserve Democracy website, but the podcast alone is sufficient. Last week, we did an overview of elections. Today, we do an overview of the second pillar of our model that I call freedom and truth. As a democratic society, in a sense, we choose to be governed. We give power to politicians and civil servants as our representatives in government. But these are fallible humans in an imperfect system, and we want to know that they are acting in our interests. We need to know the truth. The truth shall set you free. So this topic is about holding government and institutions to account throughout their mandate, not just every four years at elections. How does this happen? In many ways. We can access the information ourselves at times, but usually citizens get this information from other sources first. We have opposition parties whose job it is to critique government, though naturally they aren't objective. Uh, We have a free press, a variety of news media who report what's happening and have been termed the watchdogs of democracy. And we have appointed watchdogs and regulators to report on specific government activity whether that be spending or privacy complaints or ethics. And ultimately, we have the courts, a topic we'll cover next time. Once they have this information, organized groups of citizens can exercise their right to protest what is happening. So it's essential that what we collectively call civil society finds out the truth about what our political masters, our corporate leaders, etc. are doing and hold them to account. This freedom of speech and the freedom of information preserves our liberty. Let me pause to be clear. Government is not the enemy, as is often portrayed by libertarians, anarchists, and frankly, much public opinion. Most of what it does is beneficial, as we see now more than ever. We can point to lots of bad things government has done, not least relations with indigenous people, but I don't think that's inherent in the role of government. Still, government includes a lot of fallible people, partisan interests, bureaucratic red tape, corporate lobbyists, and lots of money and power, so it's inevitable there will be some corruption, some confusion, some infighting, and some waste. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. Of course, they don't like spotlight shone on them, but that's part of the social contract. Aside from the everyday problems, we have a more present danger in this era of populist politics that Government will move fast to implement a radical policy by circumventing legal processes and rights. At moments like that, citizens need to be ready to protest. The most important ongoing independent critic of government and the whole of our political and economic machinery is journalism. So important is its function that from the early days of American and French democracy, it was considered the fourth estate meaning it was like an essential branch of government alongside the legislative, executive, and judicial. The problem, as we know, is that journalism has been greatly disrupted by the digital revolution. Legacy news organizations have shrunken, vanished, or transformed. New niche digital players have popped up, but will they fill the gap? A former New York Times editor stated about the situation in the U.S. in her book The Merchants of Truth, quote, The newspaper industry has shed 
$1.3 billion worth of editors' and reporters' jobs in the past decade, some 60% of its workforce since 2000, end quote. And she writes, quote, What was at risk was far bigger than just one industry. It was truth and freedom in a democratic society, an informed citizenry, and news sources that were above politics in their reporting, end quote. Part of the dilemma is that investigative journalism can make us disillusioned with our democratic politics. The bad news is we keep hearing about scandals in politics. The, the good news is that we hear about it when they get caught. We need this role, just as we need the Auditor General to expose government waste, or an ethics or privacy watchdog to investigate a complaint, uh, or a whistleblower to bring uh, wrongdoing to public attention. And it may result in some penalties and resignations, but even if it does not, the opposition parties will seek to move public opinion for an electoral punishment. These things are being done in Ontario and Canada, but it's not enough. Certain ethics commissioners have been content to give slaps on the wrist at best. I encourage you to visit Democracy Watch's website where you can quickly click and support their campaigns for serious penalties and for whistleblower protections. We'll say more about all of this, but a key requirement for, for all three of these institutions, the opposition, the regulators, and the news media, to do their job is freedom of information. Canada is a fairly open society, but governments still make it more difficult than it needs to be. We need to find the right amount of transparency between the total exposure from WikiLeaks and such and the tight secrecy of autocratic governments. I mentioned the fourth estate, but these days people speak of a fifth estate, social media. Facebook, Google, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and smartphones are digital disruptors. They have changed how we get information and how democratic politics are done. It's not all bad. The big tech companies have helped news access, political activism, and citizen journalism. But it has also helped political spin and the invasions of privacy from surveillance capitalism and meddling by foreign internet trolls. And too many citizens enjoy the power of anarchy and disruption or have such partisan lenses that they don't care if a story is exaggerated or false as long as it helps their team. We've covered various aspects of truth and freedom, but what about free speech? This is a fundamental right in democracy, yet many see it eroding, while others worry about its excesses. Those on the political right can point to it being under attack on campus, online, and other spaces. Many on the left worry more about hate speech, about how freedom and power can produce a potent weapon. In Canada, we don't take the absolutist approach to free speech that the U.S. often does. We see it as a balancing act, often case by case. But the presumption should always be free speech. That is the view of the Canadian Civil Liberties Association and our courts. We need to trust that it is the path to truth, justice, and progress. So that ends our overview of this aspect of civics and democracy. Next episode, we get into the rule of law. Thank you. I hope you keep tuning in and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Serve Democracy.